Hello and welcome to Eavesdropping at the Movies. I'm Mike. And I'm Jose. We saw The Snowman, which is Norwegian crime. I was looking forward to this from the trailer. I was a bit apprehensive because some of the reviews, that I tried not to read them, but you know, you kind of encounter the headline and they were so negative uh, that I was a bit apprehensive about it. Um, I don't encounter the headline. Well. Because it's a, it's a policy of mine to not read anything ever. <laughs> well, uh, you no, don't I just, I just I, obviously I didn't I didn't see any of that, but um I from the trailer I was really looking forward to it. All all of that kind of that there is uh, this uh sort of genre of Scandinavian crime yes. which has been going on for a little while now. There, was it Borgen? There was there were a couple of BBC2 shows I think. But actually it? the the Joe Nesbo who is uh, who on whose novel this is based is arguably in crime fiction the best exponent of that, the most famous one, really, right. I would say. So, yes, very much part of that whole Scandinoir. Uh, uh, Scandinoir. Uh, yeah, that's what it's called, I think. Right. Uh, um, what, what's with, uh, it's not quite a genre because actually it encompasses it's, television and film and, and you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, novels. So, but it's. It's it's, it's, a, it's a sort of a subgenre, really, isn't it? It's, well, Film. it's more like a field because it does encompass different media, yeah. Uh, but in which kind of a oh, number of things cohere around it, yeah. So across media. Yeah. Well, I mean, I see. I just... But like noir, right? You but see no, it in noir. comic books, you see it in novels. And yeah, but that's things. a genre, isn't it? Noir, and it ha- and well, it's and it's explored in many different media, but it's, it all fits in the same, you know. That's why you can have adaptations of things. I think it's a better term for what I'm getting at, but it's not necessarily important to this podcast. No, it's not. <laughs> but you're right. So, yeah, it's a genre. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Mike says it's a genre. <laughs> so the important thing is that it's kind of, it's part of a series of work that seem to mine very similar territory. Yeah, and from the sounds of it, this, uh, the Harry Hole character, which is not a great name, I don't think. I, well, I like it. <laughs> um, but it, it does seem to be one of those um, uh, characters with a series yes. behind it. Um, so this may be the first of a, the Harry Hole world, who knows. I don't think, uh, to me, um, that's the most important thing. I actually no, no, no. think the film is not going to be successful enough you know, to bring out a series anyway, no. really. So you know, there might end up being a series on television. I think it's a pity, really, that the film uh, isn't as instantly you know, pleasurable uh, uh, as you would kind of expect it to be, really, as or, or as would lead to a successful series, mm. um, because there, there, you know, there's things that are just out of this world good about it. I think I was kind of gleeful, you know, watching the whole beginning. I was just I couldn't believe I was seeing that. Really, it's funny actually because I think I, I did not come out the film with negative opinions about it at all. Uh-huh. But I but I do think obviously I went in with very high expectations or or, or not expectations but um, uh, anticipation, mm. uh, and you didn't. And I think we may have come out slightly flipped, where I think you liked it probably a little bit more than I did, where, which is just to say that I didn't love it. Well, I I liked it an awful lot, and I think it's incredibly beautiful, and I like its attention to detail and, and, and things like this. But and I like its I like the way it uh, everyone has an interesting face in it. Yes, it's, it's well, interesting to look at. The thing is, I I I think as a thriller, 
for me it didn't quite work no but as a piece of direction I mean there were some things in it that were just sublime yes like you know uh, I love the way that Thomas Anderson breaks up the frame right so that you have frames within frames within frames so often kind of you're seeing characters through two distinct windows the camera's always placed outside you know, he yeah, creates this, this enormous kind of depth of field by having action in the foreground and then by having something in the middle and something in the back, you know, and it's all kind of angular. Every frame of this film is interesting to look at. You know, the use of space is extraordinary. But you're constantly watching every part of the frame. It's got a real cachet feel to it at some points where you, you're really paying attention to every every section you're trying to watch all the time. It's not, and it's not like there's a hive of action going on. Um, which you're having to take in, but it's that everything is so neatly composed and deliberately so. Everything is meaningful, right? Yeah. So, you know, there are bits where you know that if a character is framed from the outside, right, it means something. You know that if there's a slight alteration in focus, you know, it means something, right? Kind of your, your attention is very kind of subtly moved from one place to another. Mm. I mean, kind of, it, it seems that like everything in the film is meaningfully composed and very expressive. You know, and I just loved looking at it because you feel, you know, this is this is a real movie. This is kind of what you can see and detect and take pleasure in and find meaning in on a big screen that actually kind of you might have missed if you know if you were watching it on a smaller screen. Like it occupies the whole frame meaningfully and it does so very imaginatively imaginatively and inventively. It it pairs very well with the last film we saw which was Blade Runner. In that respect, yes. in that it's in that it's um, a story told primarily visually, and with a great deal of control and an expressive uh, sort of creative direction behind it, and it's not going to do very well. Yeah. Well, you know, kind of, it's it's in, both films are interesting. I think in a way, you know, because the whole this is a the 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 theme of. Um, the film of this film is about all of these men who judge women, find them wanting, and set out to punish them. Right? Mm. That's almost like a subgenre, really. Yeah. You know. Uh, and of course, you know, the Blade Runner was accused of being a really sexist film, and you know, and this, uh, which again, like Blade Runner, it tries to distance itself from right. Uh, uh, but it mines that area of you know these 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 serial killers that are men and kind of and what they do to women and why. So it's almost like violence against women is is built into the genre really. Mm. Um, and it's always seen very interestingly as something that is stunted, right? So it's psychologized. So something happens to this man that makes him into you know this odd serial killer. Right, um, and of course, what we find through, like you know, the, all the, the Me Too meme and the Harvey Weinstein revelations and so on, that obviously on a different level, kind of this is absolutely widespread in the culture. So, in a way, the way that these films deal with it are kind of arguably more interesting than ever, really. Except, you know, that it's such a set trope that it, you know, it could be accused of only looking at it in a particular way. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it is a film 
it is a kind of almost like a last girl film in a way. So, you know, woman after woman after woman after woman after woman gets killed. And then, you know, the last one ends up... The, the final girl. Yeah. The one survives. Yeah, we, yeah, I suppose so. Obviously, that's that's a horror trope, and this is not a horror film. No, 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 and no. It, And this is not... Yeah, and this is not the kind of... Um, uh, but that's interesting. Well, I mean, we say it's not a horror film, but actually, this kind of well, noir uh, is built on a kind of horror. Yes. You know? Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I, I just mean it's not, it's not, you know, it's not a Friday the Thirteenth. It's not, you know, a group of yeah, people yeah. being hunted down and so on. It's, 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 yes. it's a crime procedural. It's a crime procedural, but with horror elements because I thought yes. some of the things are quite gothic. Actually, the use of the snowman, mm. you know, and the way that the snowman is pictured for us, right, and the significance of the snowman, and the way the body parts are laid out in this deliberate, extremely creepy, yes, and way. Nice. They're a horrific imagery. And highly symbolic, right? It has a, and then, of course, there's the whole landscape, which is so beautifully used, right? Which is, you know, all this uh, iced, like, so so everything is, is snowy, but it's it's frosted. You know, everything is like really prettily frosted over, right? And it kind of it looks it looks beautiful, really. But this is kind of like the site for murder, right? Like, yeah, you know, kind of, you know, under this frosted. Uh, 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 beautiful to look at place hides all of these you know uh, uh, inner uh, uh, demons uh, that get acted out in a way that then despoils the snow right so there's that kind of incredible image where the body is discovered under the snow you know with a flock of seagulls on top of it you know, mm. kind of, you know. Uh, that one that's not under snow oh, actually maybe I maybe I'm slightly thinking of something else I'm thinking of the chickens no, the chickens is different. This oh, okay. is the image where the detective, who is the father of the heroine, finds the 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 body, and yes. he sees these seagulls. Right. That's when he fires his gun, isn't it? Yeah. And they all scatter. Exactly. Yes, that's yeah. it. Uh, and it creates almost like this hieroglyphic on the snow. But then the the camera moves in, yeah, and then you you yes. see it differently. Uh, I, I mean. I, the, the whole cinematic dimension of this film, I think, is gobsmackingly good. You know, mm. uh, I think where it kind of fails for me is as a suspense. I think that um, we knew who it was like a third of the way into the film. I, I, I well, knew is putting it strongly. I had a guess, mm. and which turned out to be correct. I told you, yeah, a little bit way into the film, but but it was a slightly facetious guess. I thought because oh. so um. We we ought to you know set this point like spoilers are we obviously as always we're going to talk about in detail what happened um uh, so if you haven't seen it um you know it'll ruin it but um so the killer there turns out to be one killer and it turns out to be this um uh, cosmetic surgeon who is the boyfriend of Harry Hole's uh, ex girlfriend mm. um and and it's it's when he's I think it was when he was talking about being a cosmetic surgeon that. I said to you, oh, it's going to be him. But that was really just because um, he didn't have... It was because he was a cosmetic surgeon and because the, the, the way that the bodies are handled in the movie is very precise and they're, mm. they're cut up and laid out very cleanly. And I thought, well, that takes a surgeon. Yes. <laughs> you know. But, but I mean, I didn't have an awful lot to go on more than that. And, but it d- did turn out to be correct. Um, well, the film sets up various possibilities. Yeah, right? exactly. One is the guy who is fumigating... Uh, uh, um, Harry's house. Uh, another one is the husband of one of the victims, right? Um, but 
to me, it kind of created... Another one is the business leader, J.K. Simmons' character. That's right. Because at one point, it, it appears it's going to be uh, a rather Harvey Weinstein-esque sort of... Yes. Um, or uh, sort of Jimmy Savile kind of political, powerful organisation of creeps yes. in charge of it, which it turns out not... Well, there seems to be something for that going on, but there that's is. not that's not the serial killer's yeah. uh, place. I mean, there's a subplot in which that, in fact, is taking place, mm. really, but it's not uh, the dominant plot. Yeah, uh, and it's not the film. solution to the crime, to the, to the murders. Do you want to say anything about the cast? The cast is wonderful. I mean, it, I didn't know an awful lot. All I knew was... Fassbender and Re- Rebecca Ferguson, mm. uh, who I like a great deal, and I was looking forward to on base of them. And then, and then as you're watching the film, uh, Chloe Savini, J.K. Simmons, James Darcy, Toby Jones, all these people start showing up. In you're very well cast, yes, all really well pitched, playing with, apart from J.K. Simmons, who who's everyone has an English accent. We kind of we say okay, this is Norway, but everyone's just speaking in mm. English English accent, so fine, I guess. J.K. Simmons is weird. Yes. I don't know if it's supposed to be weird or if he just can't really do an English accent. I, I like them, though, both. though. Though, yeah, it does. I mean, there's. It's some, off, there's, slightly offset. The person who I thought was weirdest was Val Kilmer because mm. he, he seemed dubbed or something. Yeah, he did. Right? So. I uh, think a lot of the dialogue has been dubbed, but I think some of it. I don't know if it's unsuccessful or if it's deliberate. It's weird with Val Kilmer. Yeah, it, it creates a kind of a distancing effect. So, on the one hand. You know, I was very glad to see him because I, I loved him, you know, in films of the 80s and 90s, really. Um, but he's got this odd look, like he's had too much plastic surgery or something. You know, but on the other, on the other hand, he looks much more aged than he should. I mean, you know, he's somebody who should be around, you know, Tom Cruise's age, right? But now looks like he could be his, his grandfather. Really. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Like Nick Nolte. Uh, yeah, and, and then he, the way that he spoke seemed dubbed. It, it didn't seem to emanate you know, from his body. So it had that very odd distancing thing. Um, the person who I'd like to point out, as to me, being absolutely extraordinary in this, is Chloe Sevigny. Yeah. You know, um, I mean, first of all, she's playing a, a, a dual role. She's playing twins. But there were moments when we first see her where um, Harry comes and asks her a series of questions, and you could tell all she's feeling and how she's evading answering all, all without dialogue, like she's, you know, she's saying everything with her eyes, you know, and it was that, that wordless acting, you know, that was, on the one hand, was conveying politeness, and on the other hand, you know, was conveying to the audience something else that I thought was just absolutely fantastic. That was true, actually, and, and you're right, you can tell at the time, that, and obviously uh, Rebecca Ferguson's character has the instinct that, that's, um, that she knows she knows she's hiding something, she knows everyone's hiding something, mm. but you're absolutely right. It would be interesting, actually, again, rather like Blade Runner, because it's a procedural, to go back knowing what we know now and watch it again, knowing actually knowing what their characters are thinking. Mm. It would be interesting to see it twice. I think you're right about her. I, I, I wanted to bring her out in contrast to Michael Fassbender, whom I love watching, and he's very beautiful. He's extraordinarily beautiful in this, actually. But the film is telling you one thing about this character, which is that he's an addict that he can only live for his addiction, that he's got to shut off everyone around him because, you know, the, the drink occupies his, his whole mind. You see him initially, you know, as a drunk sleeping in a park and as a drunk being kicked, kicked around in the street, you know, completely unconscious. 
and then actually you're told that, but then all that he does mm. doesn't convey any of that. You know, he's just like this beautiful, sad man. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you don't feel it. You see him drunk and unconscious once. Yes. You see him sort of turned, quite pointedly turned down a big shot of vodka at another point. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's all, it's all, you're told it rather than showing it. You're told he's an addict and you go, okay, well, I guess I have to believe it, but he doesn't really seem to have an effect. He doesn't convey that. You know, I was thinking when watching the film, I wonder what somebody like Nick Nolte or Harrison Ford would have done with that. You know, because certainly like Harrison Ford came to mind because it's almost like you wanted a certain depth, a certain sourness, a certain tiredness and anger at life. Right. Yeah. Kind of rather than just you know, this very pretty sadness. I think in part as well, I think part of why it ends up feeling uh, malnourishing is um, that you are, uh, it is implied, uh, I think, or or you're you're allowed to believe for quite a long time that this child you see in this pre-credit sequence, uh, you you see a child whose mother is being uh, raped and kind of, apparently kind of forced into isolation um, by this police officer who's... And then this police officer is this child's dad, I think, or thinks... Yes, um, ultimately, the mother uh, commits suicide. Um, and so you're then kind of led to believe that this child grows up to become Michael Fassbender's character, which turns out not to be the case. This child yes. actually becomes a serial killer. Yes. Um, so I think you, you're spending a lot of time... Although you, you, you don't believe it... You probably won't believe it, you know, kind of fully... You are encouraged to buy into this. Yeah, okay, so this guy, this guy has something in his past, which is this kid thing. And then when it turns out not to be the case, it feels rather empty. Well, that's, I mean, I, 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 I didn't... Uh, it wasn't an assumption I, I completely made, but I felt yeah. the film was helping me make it. I didn't, I didn't, um, okay. I didn't make that assumption. Uh, I don't know why I didn't, because actually now that you say it, I probably should have, really, you know, but I didn't. Uh, and actually, maybe I think that's the problem with the film, you know, kind of where it, you know, the way that it's structured. You know, so on the one hand, it's got kind of this wonderful architecture, cinematic architecture, if you think about, you know, the lighting and the imagery and the camera movement and so on. But on the other hand, it doesn't have a good structure. You know, I would have liked to have had more suspense. Yeah, I would have liked for the end to have been a discovery, you know. And I did yes. respond. I mean, you know, there were moments. Oh, where you I, you were gasping. I, I was gasping. I, I was going to say, in, individual scenes yes. are brilliantly constructed. Yes. Uh, individual scenes that that are that are designed to have suspense really do. Yeah, there's great there's a great deal of tension in, you know, and it's this kind of person alone in a house. You see something in the background, or something jumps out. The you know something kind of comes into frame where you weren't expecting it. All that kind of thing is very, very well done, and those scenes are um, very well constructed. But the plot is what lacks tension yes. and suspense. Yes, I think and so, so when it comes to the, the the crunch point, and you're finding out exactly what's happened right at the end, and there's a kind of eventual showdown between Fassbender and the killer, it it, it lacks. Mm. Um, uh, yeah, it's, isn't, it's, it's not very effective ultimately it just yes. it lacks kind of the kind of driving feeling do you think that it has anything to do with it being very much you know what what they're now calling like a transnational film I myself would have said you know that it's a European film rather than like say you know uh, 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 a Norwegian film or, or a British film 
right, that it is a European film. So, you know, it is based on, on Joe Nesbo's work. Uh, uh, it has local actors. You know, it's shot uh, 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 in Norway. Um, then it has kind of, you know, a cast that is English, French, Scandinavian. I think J.K. Rowling is... J.K. Simmons. J.K. Simmons, sorry. Is the only American. Oh, no, there's actually yeah, also... There's also what... The, I think the transgender uh, uh, woman from um, Sense8, right? I don't know her. She's got, the, she's got this very distinctive, lovely voice. Um, Obviously, Fassbender's that, Irish as well. Irish-German. Okay, Irish-German. Yeah, so... Um, yeah, it kind of it felt... It felt like a European film, which I kind of liked, you know, but but I wondered if, you know, so so on what level does it become kind of like this European film intended, you know, for a particular audience that's familiar with all of those elements? And mm. to what extent does it just become kind of a Euro pudding, a Euro pudding where, you know, <laughs> it's made up of all of these different bits that none of them add up to something greater than their parts? I did feel quite strongly that as much as I liked the cast and I think they did a very good job and I enjoyed seeing them I I was I was consciously thinking for quite a lot of it that wouldn't this be better if it was actually in Norwegian with Norwegian actors a Norwegian yes. language film yes um, for one thing it might, pro- might provide the film a better excuse for not performing well at the box office <laughs> well <laughs> no I think I, I, yeah I think because the film does have a, a very good sense of of place and and the sort of landscape, but it would be stronger um, were it actually a Norwegian language. I don't know. I mean, because you know, when we when we think of like you know, let's say one of the, uh, one of the Cirque or Sjodmak or uh, you know Billy Wilder films, if you think of who worked on it, you know, a lot of them were like you know people who were all European emigres and mm. you know and the, even the cast were often a mix of American actors and you know kind of people who had recently immigrated the mix of accents kind of you know was it was a joy it made sense in American films somehow so you know you could argue that those films you know were also maybe transnational except their their intended audience the audience they addressed the audience they were trying to communicate with you know throughout all of that classic period at least was very much an American audience first right whereas I'm not sure who who that intended you know primary audience of this film is mm. you know would you say it's it's European or would, it, would you say it's you know Anglo-American or I'm 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 sorry that it, it doesn't work more effectively because I am a I'm becoming a huge fan of Thomas Anderson Right, like I love Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, and again, it's a film that didn't please people, you know, because I think it was one of those films that is meant to be seen on a big screen, you know, that kind of, you know, if you're not looking at, if you're not understanding the film through visuals and, yeah, kind of, you're only getting half of what it is that, you know, the plot is 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 too thin an element to communicate all the story, you know, that other aspects of uh, 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 cinema are conveying to you in that film. And it was a, a film that I thought, again, was absolutely beautifully directed, but ended up not pleasing audiences, you know, who expected, I suppose, different kinds of excitement. 
Or more excitement. Uh, yeah. Well, what I mean, what they, I use the word. <laughs> I must watch that film again because I, I didn't have a good time when I first saw it. Yeah, I mean, I use the word different kinds of excitement because yeah. you know, to me, like when I saw that Zoom kind of, you know, where you initially think that Fassbender is lying in uh, at home and there's just snow in the background, and then it pulls back. You know, and you see kids playing hockey, and then it pulls back, and you, you know, you see that it's a shed, and then you pull back, and you know, mm. and so you're seeing all these different shades of action where every kind of little pullback changes your entire perception of the scene. I just thought it was, I mean, I was, well, you saw me, I was like swooning in the cinema. I was like, I thought, this is absolutely like, what a fantastic shot, <laughs> right? Like, you know, so if those things are not meaningful to you, there's no excitement, mm. you know, but if they are, you, uh, that was just, I thought, fantastic. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, you're absolutely right. That. Well, yeah. I don't have much to add to that. So, um, a last. Well, um, what, let's talk about this. Uh, this kind of subplot that links into uh, this. Uh, this Weinstein story. Mm, Weinstein esque. Um, Weinstein esque. Well, well, I mean, actually, well, it links. It, it's what I mean is it's. Um, it couldn't be more timely. Yes. Uh, this subplot. So, so there's a subplot. Which is about J.K. Simmons, who's a, a business leader and a kind of champion of Oslo, um, and they're trying to bring you know some sort of uh, some sort of Winter Games type thing to Oslo and win a bid. And so there's a whole thing about how he's how he's hugely respected, a big deal, um, but he is kind of using women, evaluating them. That he, he ends up kind of behind the scenes at this party um, with there's just him and a henchman, and this henchman has a girl with him. Who he removes her clothes and he takes yes. a photo. What's going on with this? Well, I mean, you know, to me, there was a sense that this doctor, yeah, who's involved in charity work uh, with this very rich industrialist who's played by J.K. Simmons, Simmons uh, is his pimp, you know. So he's obviously trafficking women whom uh, uh, Simmons can then do stuff with actually what you get the sense that he mostly does is he takes a picture doesn't he i mean mm. I, I don't know where what the you know i might have to read the novel to find out exactly what the picture thing uh, uh means right uh but then these women are kept prisoners in his house in the in the doctor's house yes right so so you know the it's just kind of a, like an underlayer of of sordidness and misogyny right you know and i i think it's 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 Again, important to differentiate what we see in the film from the point from the film's point of view on what we see, because actually the film is condemning it in a way. Well, not in a way, very clearly, right? Uh, uh, Fassbender's whole last monologue with the killer is to turn the tables. It's not about women; it's about men, right? It's your father who didn't want you, he says. Yeah. But all that we see, and again, again, you know, the connection is not only with Weinstein, but actually the Me Too meme. Right where it seems like every woman you know has been molested or raped or assaulted or you know had and some I, experience of yeah and and this this is the it's the case in this film as well every woman that we see kind of gets brutalized in some way by men mm. right. yeah so actually it's kind of it is a very timely film in the sense that both of those films kind of are operating so on the one hand uh, you know men are protected from their actions. Uh, uh, by power and wealth and status and sometimes just physical strength as we see in the beginning really uh, and, and when Fassbender, other... uh, Fassbender restrains um, 
uh, uh, Rebecca Ferguson as well by just lying on top of her yes. until she stops moving. Yes. You know, so every woman in this film uh, is uh, uh, a victim of, of male brutality of, in some form. Uh, and then, you know, the richer men amongst them kind of get protected by, from their actions by their wealth and status and position. So, um, yeah, mm. it's kind of... Again, actually, thinking about this is something that could be stronger in the film, which is um, the way that then kind of feeds into the main plot is insubstantial, I think, and um, and it leaves it leaves questions which I, I'm not I'm not sure the film really answers, such as, for instance, um, the, the, this psychiatrist... Is it a psychiatrist? The, the, the birth doctor that... Yes. Um, guys who uh, does research into premature birth who has the house mm. in which people appear to be uh, being kept prisoner um, he ends up getting his head blown off yes. and made to look like suicide um, but he's kind of so he's he's in this with with J.K. Simmons um, but then he's sacrificed when you know the police get too close but mm. it's it, it leaves something to, to be answered who exactly did this and was it the surgeon or exactly how how what is the what is the structure of this organization how much do they know about each other this sort of thing well that's the fault of the film yes absolutely because actually we should know all of that whereas actually what, what i feel is that in order to find answers to those questions we'll have to go and read joe nespo's book yeah and that's the film's biggest fault yeah, it's too elliptical. Yeah. It's I, I mean, who who knows? I haven't read the novel. Um, who knows how much detail there is in it? But uh, if it is well explained in the novel, it's been cut out too much yes. to make it into a film. Well, let's end on a positive note because I think there are absolutely you know fantastic things about this film. I do think the direction is absolutely fantastic. The locations are incredible, and they've just found this this beautiful, like I say, sense of location and just some of the shots. These these um great overpasses, these roads that wind, and then the way that the, the long lens is used to compress the space to make this bizarre, twisted uh, sort of ribbon of tarmac mm. crossing over a frozen lake. These things I, are beautiful. I love the way that, uh, you know, as the camera moves in, it's constantly reframing everything for you, mm. right? So kind of your, perspe your, percep your perspective on it changes. You know, and it, and it does so in an expressive way. So for me, all of that was absolutely gorgeous, really, and and incredibly skilled, right? I, I think the real artists who made this film. I also loved a lot of the performances. I thought, you know, the, the work with the actors was very, very good. Uh, what I didn't like is that, you know, the film leaves you with too many questions and that it seems weakly structured and that, as you said, Though individual scenes are very suspenseful, the film as a whole isn't really. It's a bit slack. Yeah, unfortunately, the connective tissue is not uh, sort of strong enough. And and when when it comes to you know ratch, ratcheting up the, um, the 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 pace towards the end, you know you you, you I mean you, the film's ending with this scene where um, your main character's family, his his ex girlfriend and his his son, who's not really his son, but he enjoys a, trying to be a father to in a way um, they end up uh, bounding gagged and being threatened with murder mm. and he's 
trying to negotiate the situation with the killer right there and the killer has you know essentially a knife to to the woman's neck well it's not a knife it's a mm. it's a sort of noose thing um point is there should be an incredible amount of tension there and there is a little bit but it's not i don't know it's it's done in the most basic way possible so yeah actually all of the tension is created through parallel editing right uh you know this is happening to the people that Harry loves, and we see the process of Harry finding out, and the question is, will he find out in time? Will he get to them in time? You know, etc. And that's just not good enough. You know, there should have been kind of mm. better ways of building that suspense than just you know something that Griffith came up with a hundred years ago, uh, <laughs> and that is that old. I mean, it, it's still it's a bit effective. It's not but incompetent. Actually, it's but it's not creative enough. Yeah, exactly. That's a better way of putting it. It seemed too basic, really. Yeah. You know. Um, so, shall we end here? Yeah, I guess. I I, I did like it. No, I liked, I liked it. Very it. Much. I mean, I was having a good time while I was watching it, but it, but it's it's just in once you come out of the cinema and you start thinking about it, you go, oh, well, there is too much left out in a way. Yes, I thought it could. The disappointment is that it could have been great. Yes. Yeah. There's material there. There's like there's yeah. a there's a version of this film which is a great great crime film. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's do it. Oh, how unfortunate. <laughs>